0: Good morning, glad you are here, grateful for your presence, you bless us, you bless each other, and hope that you feel that uh, as, you, as you'll leave today. Uh, singing's been great, it's good to be in everybody's presence. I was gone for a week in Neosho, Missouri, uh, but you can't get very far from people that, that have a connection with Valley View, and so I was eating fresh, they, make their, they, they raise their own um, uh, uh, pigs, and so they had ham steaks and stuff on Tuesday night uh, Wednesday night some of the most delicious ham I've ever tasted in my life and and we were sitting there and they said do you know you're eating on the table that Carl and Sheila Phipps most of their married life was in their kitchen it was their table and so they got it I don't know somehow they're good friends with the Phipps it says this is their table and I thought wow now this is like holy ground here right eating ham on this. St- and, then, and then they started talking about how uh, some stories from back at Cherry Valley, that's where they were uh, from and knew each other. Uh, but then this young man, they've got a son named Noah. That kind of resonates with me, you know, Noah. And so uh, as we were talking, uh, he's, he's gonna, he's thinking, he, possibly ASU. I said, man, we got the best looking college women in the world at church. Uh, that's gonna draw you. I mean, come on to, to ASU. He might. He's a great kid. But he was saying to me, um, what he wants to be, uh, well, before he said this, on their farm they have all sorts of animals. They had this beautiful cat. And I thought, oh, Melissa would love to see this. So friendly and like me. He said, yeah, we don't get too attached because they all die so fast. Uh, they have animals all the time, dogs and cats, and, and uh, they've run over a couple, and they have a highway in front of the house that a couple get run over, and the FedEx guy ran over one. I mean, everybody runs over their animals. And, and I thought, man, this is a place where animals go to die. And I said, What do you want to be? He said, I want to be a vet. <laughs> I said, Well, I kind of see you'd be useful for you, but given your, given your, I think you ought to be a taxidermist. Anyway, so anyway, uh, great time with them, great church up there, and they send greetings from, uh, from, from uh, the Ozarks of Missouri, back where uh, the Smiths were uh, for a good long time. Um, I hope, how many do not yet? It's okay if you don't. There's uh, there's a table out there. As you go out, uh, leave today, grab a book off that table. Forty days of prayer and devotional. That's just for us. There's nothing big and fancy and magical in it. But starting on Tuesday, every day we're going to spend some time together. Even though we're not physically in proximity of one another, we're going to be thinking the same thoughts and reading the same scriptures and praying the same thoughts. That's the whole goal. Because a month from now we're going to have an old-fashioned revival, and we're just kind of preparing this way. But I want every adult all the way down to high school, college, that includes you. You grab a book, and every day it won't take more than 10 minutes, I promise. And if you really read fast, it might be seven and a half. But I just want you to spend some time together, and let's all be a group of people that draw close to God together that way. I just urge you to do that. Every adult all the way down through high school uh, to grab a copy of that book. We're in Matthew chapter 24, if you'll make your way there. Matthew chapter 24. Today we're going to talk about that day. And when I say that day, you probably know exactly what I'm referring to. There are some days in history, if I just say the date you know something, December 7th, September 11th, August 2nd, July 4th. August 2nd is my birthday, just in case you're wondering. This, just say a date, just say a date and it brings to mind something significant that happened on that day and that's all we have to say. 9-11 is all it takes, right? Well, this one, this one is so significant, Jesus just calls it that day. A definite adjective, that day. It's so obvious and self-evident why it's important and significant to everybody that Jesus can just simply say, let's talk about that day. And everybody's enamored with it in some extent, to some uh, extent in their lives. And the disciples asked about it in chapter uh, four, verse 3. And so we're going to be dealing with that day, what Jesus calls a day that's so significant that it gives every moment of our lives its gravity. Every day matters because of that day. Even today, what you do matters because of that day. Now, Matthew 24 can be confusing. There's two, two or three questions that are answered here in this particular passage. If we look at verse 4, Matthew 23, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, and they ask two questions. They say, tell us, when will these things be? Jesus had just predicted when the destruction of the, of the temple would happen. When will those, these days be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They think it's the same question. Jesus knows it's two different time frames. In the first 35 verses of Matthew 24, he deals with what he calls those days. We're not dealing with those days tonight. We're going to look at those 35 verses and look at those days, but I'm going to tell you something. They have no bearing on you whatsoever, so if you just ignore them the rest of your life, they won't make much difference in your life. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 35. Has no bearing, and there's a lot of people who pick up things from those verses they blow them out of proportion and don't even listen to the answer to the second question. Room, wars and rumors of wars. Somebody says there's wars. There's rumors of wars. Jesus is about to come. It's not true. Stars falling and the moon turning to blood. None of that applies to you. That's the first 35 verses, and that's something that has no bearing. That's for tonight, right? Even the guy who wrote a song that we all like. Jesus is coming soon. I like verse 1. I like verse 3. But he has that second verse. Anybody know how it starts? When these signs come to pass nearing the end. No, 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 no. There are no signs for the end. Jesus is emphatic and clear. When somebody wants to know, what's, what's a sign that the end's about to come? There are none. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and the answer is there are none. Okay, so this is not a trick question. What are the signs that Jesus is going to come soon? There are and when somebody comes up to you and says, look at all this stuff, it surely means, no, there are none. There are none. There are no signs. You can't put together a puzzle when there are no pieces. And there's these people running around trying to say, well, look at the climate of, the, uh, of Asia Minor and the, you know, and the, the Holy Land. Look at, look at history. Look at these weird verses in the Bible. And I say, listen, there are no signs. Get over it. Quit it. This is getting you so anxious you're not listening to what Jesus says about the second Question. So, we join Jesus at Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. But concerning that day, I want to talk about that day. I'm not talking about the, those days anymore. Those days have already happened for us. So those days, the first 30 ver- 35 verses come back for tonight for that one. But for us, we're talking about that day. Jesus says enough about that day for us to give attention to it and not worry about the other guessing stuff. First of all, he makes it clear there is no way to know when that day will be. He says, no one knows, verse 36, no one knows, not the angels of heaven, not even the Son, but the Father only. Now, this, is, this has kind of been interesting this week. I'm thinking, The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're all one. But how can they be all one when one of them knows something the others don't? Isn't that just something? That has no value to this sermon whatsoever. It's just captured my imagination all week, and I decided you all need to throw that out. Just play with that some. How is it that the Father knows something the Son doesn't? Isn't that weird? But that's what he says. Nobody knows. Only God. He kind of keeps it to himself, at least while Jesus was on earth. We think of important events as being scheduled and marketed. People want people to show up, and so we let you know when they will be. But in this particular case, in this particular case, there is no way to know. And you will get distracted and you will find yourself in trouble if you try to figure it out. It is unknowable, it is unknown, it is unpredictable. There are no clues. Jesus even says it this way it's like a thief in the night. The, what, what he wants for his job is secrecy. He's not going to drop you a note in your mailbox. He's not going to put a post-it on your door saying, I'm coming Thursday at 9. He's not going to do that because secrecy is part of his mission. And God wants us to know, part of God's interest is, I want to keep this secret and see if my people will be ready. There is no knowing when that day will be. And that leads to another insight of Jesus. Everybody will be caught completely unaware. There's no way you can know. Keep going on the slides. Yeah, right there. There's... No one can know. Not even Christian people will know. We're going to be caught by surprise. I I want to look at this one verse that people take uh, and mess up sometimes. Notice in verse uh, 38. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all the way. They had not an inkling of a clue. And people are going to think, well, what he's saying is we shouldn't be living this way. No, he's saying you will be living this way. You're going to be eating a meal at your house or out at Ruby Tuesdays. You're going to be uh, in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. You're going to be on your way to work. You're going to be hitting the snooze for the third time that morning. You are going to be living your life as normal. There's going to be eating and drinking. There's going to be there's going to be uh, uh, giving in marriage. There's going to be another yet another baby shower at Valley View Church of Christ. There's going to it's just things are going to be going on. Life is going to be going on like normal. There's nothing unusual, and you will be living life like you're supposed to be living it. And in the midst of all that, boom, here it comes, and you have no. No way of a foreknowing it at all. There's no clues at all. No signs. And that's including Christians, too. He doesn't tell you this so that you will sit staring at the clouds hoping to get a glimpse of it. You go to the fair and it says you enter your name in a drawing, must be present to win. And so you stay up to the ungodly hour of 11. So just in case they draw your name, you won't be disqualified by being absent. God says you don't have to be present looking into the skies and seeing him at the instant he comes for this to take effect. I do not intend to tell you this so that you sit staring at the clouds looking for me. The Thessalonians did this. The two letters to the Thessalonian church were about people who thought it was so close, they quit their jobs, they sold their houses, they got lawn chairs, and they sat out there and stared under the sky waiting to see Jesus. Thinking that if I don't see it, I'll miss it in fact they thought their loved ones who died who were faithful and who died were gonna miss it because they didn't live long enough to see it and Jesus says it's nothing about that at all it's gonna be unexpected you said verse we quote a lot if you don't work you don't eat wasn't about lazy people it can be applied that way it was about people who had quit their jobs and they're sitting out there waiting for Jesus to come and it took him a long time in fact he hasn't come back yet you gotta eat sometime, you gotta lay your head down sometime, but you haven't made any money to buy food. <coughs> food. So you can see, you can't just sit and stare at the clouds. God never intended to tell us that it's uncertain, so always be on guard looking to the skies. That's not what he wants. He's telling us, however, it will be a surprise to everybody. The Christians who are going home to be with the Lord, we will also be startled by what happens. I mean, we're just going about our day, you know, bouncing along with our normal routine, and suddenly a trumpet sounds, the sky rolls away, the clouds come, uh, Jesus comes down, the angels are descending, and it's not animated at all. It's the real thing, and it is absolutely terrifying. That's why in the third verse of It Is Well With My Soul, when he says, when the Lord comes down, you know, O Lord, haste the day when the Lord shall return. You Remember the clouds be- scrolled, rolled back as a scroll? And it talks about, even for Christians, he says, the Lord comes, right? The very last line of that verse, even so, it is well with my soul. What he's saying is, it's going to be terrifying even for us. This is a scary thing that's going to happen. It's beyond anything that we've ever thought or imagined before. We're not going to be expecting it in the sense that we are expecting it at any moment. We're going to be living our lives as normal, thinking that this day, like every other day, is going to go just like I planned on my to do list when suddenly everything comes to an end. But Jesus never says, Don't be startled by it. You will be startled by it. It will be strange. But you can be ready. And that is the third bit of instruction Jesus gives you have no idea when it will happen. Life will be bopping along as normal. You'll hit your snooze, like I said. And yet, there's a third thing he says. You can be ready. Notice verse 44. Even though it's unexpected, it will be startling. He says, therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready. He doesn't say that when he comes, you should get ready. This is important. This would be an important detail for my son, for instance. When I tell him we're going to leave at 9, he thinks what I'm telling him is to start getting ready at 9. Anybody else have this problem in your family? Oh, I've hit a vein. Okay. When we say, dads, moms and dads, husbands, right? Am I right? When I say we must be in the car to leave at 9, I mean all the stuff that you have to get ready started at 8, and we're leaving at 9. I don't mean that at 9 you are now putting your lipstick on amen? Is that right? You've got to be ready, not get ready. So Jesus says to him, listen, it's going to be unexpected. You don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be ex- unexpected. You must be ready on that day, not start getting ready. You can't do a Hail Mary pass. You can suddenly turn, change your leaves, you know, change the leaves on the tree. You can't suddenly do an about face. I'll straighten up real quick. I'll do, I'll do a quick prayer. And you get on your knees and say, God forgive me of my sin. You can't do any of that. That's all too late. By the way, you may see Jonathan and Madison today. Where are you, Jonathan? Where are you right down here? Bill Barry, where are you? Back there? You, you Bill tells me this. Bill tells me every day he gets up the nurses say, Why you get younger and better looking every day. That's what Bill says. If you looked at Jonathan and Madison, they look younger than when they left. There must be something in South Carolina that's going right with them. But they look younger, they just look, uh, and they just look amazing, and it's great to see them. I'm glad you're here. So here's the thing. you got to be ready. You can't get ready. You can't suddenly make a last-second adjustment to your personality or your character. And for some people, they're going to they're gonna be startled by this in the sense of how in the world can you be ready when you don't know when it's going to be? A couple of things he does, he tells us to motivate us is this there's this image. You read that. You heard it read where there'll be two people together. One of them will be taken and the other left. There'll be women who are grinding meal or something. One of them will be taken and the other one will be left. And it's a gruesome image, but here's the deal. Here's why getting ready is so important. On that day, in that moment, when everything matters, when every day is given its meaning and every moment it's given its purpose, when that day happens, there will be an instant taking of people. If you are ready If you're ready to meet the Lord, he's going to snatch you up and take you to be with him. If you're not, you will be left behind. And so there'll be two people walking along the road, and they're having a conversation with each other. And as they are, one of them suddenly goes away. Jesus returns. That one of them suddenly goes to be with God because they're ready. The other one is left here. Now, this is the... This is the part of the sermon where a lot of people could exploit this, and I, but, but I'll tell you, it is the scariest part of the whole thing. We have this sudden, unexpected coming of the Lord, which is going to startle us all. But the terrifying thing is this. If you are not ready, those who are are going to take off and be with the Lord instantly at that moment, and those who aren't will be left here. Now, the story isn't finished in this passage for either one of them, We'll go to the Thessalonians, we'll go to other scriptures, and I'll tell you the end of the story. The end of the story is the people who go with the Lord will go to meet the Lord in the air and go to be with him forever. Those who are left will be taken to another place where they live a godless existence in the fires of hell for eternity. Now, we don't preach this very much anymore, and people think, we don't want to scare people. Oh, yes, we do. There's nothing wrong with scaring but I'm going to tell you something. Listen, let's get graphic with this for just a second. If you have small children... You're not here if I'm describing you here, but if you have small children, they're safe in the arms of the Lord no matter what happens, right? Small children, but if you've given no thought spiritual direction, you're not a believer, you haven't given your life to God, let me tell you what's going to happen in that moment. That child's going to go up and meet the Lord in the air, and you're staying here, and you're never going to see that child ever again. Now, I don't mean to scare anybody, and I don't mean to put uh, emotions on people, but I'm going to tell you, that creeps me out. But that's not all. Husband and wife. The husband is very spiritually alert. and He wants his life right with God. He's walking in tune with God. But she's not. She has no interest whatsoever. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to go up. She's going to stay down. And they'll never see each other ever again. Is that not true? That doesn't scare you. And don't say, oh, by the way, I'm in wild college years. No excuse, college people. Not one. There is no excuse you don't get an exemption for being young. High school students, you don't get an exemption for being young. There will be a parting right then, and this is why readiness is important. We're not talking about some little exercise. We're not talking about a thousand-year reign where you're given a second chance. That's baloney, y'all. There is is a thousand-year reign, but we're in it right now. We are in it because we're in the last days, Peter said in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus said to the apostles at the Great Commission, all authority and all power has been given to me jesus is reigning right now there's not going to be any kind of second chance y'all it's got to be ready you can't start getting ready or hope for a second chance or straighten up this is it this is the final roll call when he comes it's over it's through and there's no time left for any kind of correction be ready because we will be separated right now It's no big deal for us as believers to be intermingled with unbelievers. But I'm going to tell you, on that day, the definition of a believer and an unbeliever will be recognized because all believers will be taken with the Lord and all unbelievers will be left. You need to be ready. And it will be a total surprise. Again, I want to point out verse 44. It's going to happen at a time you don't expect. I think those times in history where people predicted it would be times for sure that God won't do it. I remember in uh, 1989, June, my high school year, right, my senior year, we had a guy write a book. You may remember this, and he went all over the news. I think it was a particular day, September 9th of 1989, at 9 in the morning. Now, how in the world he predicted the hour, I'll never understand that. But there was some formula he used, and my teacher was really into that. She was an algebra teacher. We were in algebra, and it was she brought donuts because it was our last meal anyway, she said. We were going to die, or we are going to be taken off somehow during that night, my, 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 my algebra hour. So she called. She took up all the homework, and I didn't turn mine in. She said, why? I said, well, why should I? We're not even going to be here. You're not going to grade it. She said, well, that's right. She gave everybody time off and all that. Well, then he decided he got it wrong, and it was a week later. He was a week off, and so we did it all again a week later. For sure this, when people are really consciously aware of the second coming, that's for sure a time he's not. Because everybody's going to be caught unaware. Nobody's going to be thinking of this. And you might say to yourself, and this is the excuse I'm going to hear from people, I'm sure... It's going to hear from people, but you didn't tell us exactly. So how can we be prepared? But that doesn't wash. Here's why: the other day, in Kennett, where Melissa is in school, they do a an intruder, a intruder drill. I don't know what sound is, but they, the kids are taught what the sound of an intruder drill is. and They did it as real as you can imagine. It was really grotesque. And, and they talked about all the things they did wrong and what they should have done. They're drilling for, God forbid, there ever is a time when an intruder comes. No one wants this. No one welcomes but you had better be ready in our culture to know what to do about it if it does happen. We're used to this with intruders. We're used to this with tornadoes and fires. How many still know if you were in a school building right now, you would know exactly what to do with a fire and a tornado? You still know? I still know. We don't ever want to happen, and I've never experienced one. Most of you have never experienced one, will never experience it, but they want us to know what to do in case there is one. And Jesus is doing the same thing. I want you to know he is returning. He is coming back to get his church to go home. He's coming back and he's taking the people who are ready and he's leaving the people who aren't. And you can know which party you're in. So you have this kit. You might have this kit you prepare. Some people do. Here's the last three things, real quick, that he says. Don't be, last little warning of the things to be ready. Don't be fooled into thinking that this is a long way off. And I'm not saying it's soon, and it's not a long way off, but I am saying to you, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter was dealing with people who said this. Everything's been going on since, uh, the same way since the beginning of creation. You, keep, you, you Christians here in the first century are saying, Jesus could come back at any time, but life goes on as it always has since the beginning, beginning of creation. He just winded up and he just let it go. Nothing's different. Peter says, don't be fooled by that. Scoffers, will say he's not coming back at all. His delay has created this thing where a lot of people think he won't come back at all. And he goes on to say, but don't forget about Noah. In the middle of time, more toward the beginning, God got sick of creation. He judged it in total, universal, cataclysmic ways by bringing the flood in. And just like he did, he brought life to an end and restarted. He's going to do the same thing again, only not with water, but with fire. Don't be fooled into thinking that because it's been so long, that God, no, it's not really going to happen because it will. It feels a lot like when you talk about this topic, if you ever get on a plane and I don't fly enough, to be bored with this. But if you ever get on a plane, the first thing they do is this lady gets up there or this guy and they start explaining what all these face masks are and all this stuff and they, uh, all the exits. And I'm looking around and there is nobody paying a bit of attention to this person. They're doing their stuff on their phone still. Or they're getting ready to read stuff. They aren't paying one bit of attention because they've all been on a plane a thousand times, never had to use it. I don't need this information. I stay glued because I'm sitting there thinking this one's going down and I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to be the resource person. They're all going to be saying, what do we do? Oh, I'll tell you what to do. I listened to the thing and you didn't. I think we need to keep preaching this. We need to keep talking about this. We need to keep it at the forefront of our minds. Not to paralyze us and not to look in the skies, but to keep living a life that's ready. And readiness is not an intellectual issue. Readiness is a lifestyle issue. It is living the way I should be living so that no matter when he comes back, I'll be pleasing to him. That's ready. Ready. Okay, so live the way that's pleasing to him so that even when he's unannounced, even if you're sleeping, even if you're doing something else, you are ready for his return. That's what readiness is. I think you could practice it this way. I'm going to show you a couple pictures. Here's one. You go to somebody's house. They're all excited, and they do this. That tells you they're getting ready for a wedding. You go to somebody's house to visit them, and you see this. What do you know they're doing? They're going to go camping, floating, fishing or something. There's a canoe on his car. You come to some friend's house and they're doing this. Where are they going headed to? A Halloween party you can kind of tell what people are getting ready for by what their expressions are what they're talking about what they're dressed as you can tell what they're getting ready for this world needs to be able to look at us and be able to tell we're getting ready for something we're getting ready for him to come back and at any time he can because the way I'm living is consistent enough that if he comes back right now I'm ready if he waits 50 years I'm ready if he doesn't come back until after I'm dead I'm ready it doesn't matter when he comes I am ready and I'm I'm dressed and ready to go. Are you dressed and ready to go? Right this minute. If I didn't think I wouldn't get fired, I'd have had a trumpet guy set up over there. And while we're all looking over this way, have him blow off a trumpet and make them think that the Lord's come back in, I thought, yeah, that'd be a cool thing. And then it would be a pink slip, right? Because you brought a trumpet into the church of Christ. It would be a great exercise, though. If it were right now, The separation happened right now, instantly. Are you ready? And let's not forget one more thing. Jesus used Noah. Peter used Noah, so I'm going to use Noah. I don't know this is true, but judging from 2 Peter and what he says is Noah is a preacher of righteousness, one other way that Noah was getting ready for the flood was he was telling other people it was about to happen. And even though they didn't listen or pay attention or take advantage they had the opportunity to hear it for the readiness kit always be aware he's coming back keep that in your head second always be living in a way that if he comes back you're ready number three tell people let people know this thing is coming We're supposed to be telling the world that this this end time is coming, that this last day, that day that's coming, makes every day matter. And how they live right now matters because of that day. We need to let the world know because it's not. it would not be right for Christians to not share this with them. Church, I'm telling you, that day is coming. We know that it is. We don't know when, but we know that. And every day that we live is an important factor in that day. So live ready. And tell others about it. This morning is something, there's, there might be something you need to do. Maybe you're a person who's never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never, ever actually said, you know what, I believe this, I've believed it all my life, but I've never said it. I've never said Jesus' name in front of a group of people and be immersed in the waters for the forgiveness of my sins. I've never done it. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't know God and haven't obeyed the gospel, 2 Thessalonians 1, you will be left behind. I can't say it any nicer than that. That's what Paul says, 2 Peter 1. Second, uh, sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1. Nobody needs to be left behind. Everyone needs to be taken. If you've never submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you need to do that this morning. I'm not saying he's going to come today, uh, within our lifetime, but he could. And you must be ready at any moment. If you have to make some things right, you've done that, but you've done some things wrong because you know what? The distance is farther and it's not on your mind all the time, and you've let some wrong things be unaddressed. You need to address those things. You need to make preparations. Whatever you need to do on this day in order to be ready for that day, today is the day to do it right now as we as a church stand and sing to encourage you there's a great
1: day coming a great day coming there's a great day coming by and by when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left are you ready for that day to come are you ready are you ready are you ready for the judgment day are you ready are you ready for the judgment day there's a bright day coming a bright day coming there's a bright day coming by and by but its brightness shall only come to them that love the lord are you ready for that day to come are you ready are you ready are you ready for the judgment day Judgment day. There's a sad day coming, a sad day coming, there's a sad day coming by and by. When the sinner shall hear his doom depart, I know ye not. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready, are you ready, are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready, are you ready for the judgment day?